0: Good morning. How is Walloon today? You guys doing well? Nice, nice. Uh, This is a right up to the moment announcement. Community Bible study has a few openings. They've worked really hard at adding some classes and most of them have already filled up. But here is the announcement. Tuesday morning women's study has two spots. Uh, Wednesday evening women's study has two openings. So, if you are interested and you are a woman here, you probably should run, not walk, and get back and talk to Dave and Leslie. They'll be at the table. Uh, men, uh, there are on the Wednesday evening men's study five slots open, and and that's it. So, two. And two Tuesday morning, Wednesday night for women, and five for Wednesday evening. If you have any questions, if you want to know more, make your way back to the table. Dave and Leslie will help answer those questions. On a personal note, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for prayers and meals and cards. Uh, thank you uh, for uh, lifting me up. Who's not a natural nurse? <laughs> That's not my sweet spot. Uh, I, by God's grace, I have a very good, patient wife who just got a new hip. She's progressing well. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you to Pastor Brant uh, for opening God's Word with great insight and skill filled in so I could do a little nursing with my bride last week. So anyway, thank you very much uh, for all of the love you've shown us. We are in week number five in our journey through the book of Judges, God to the rescue. We're going to start today with a little song that many of us learned as children. At least I know I, and I, and I think most of you probably did if you grew up in church. And can I just say, that, well this is a kid so this is possibly one of the most theologically rich songs there is bar none okay so we're actually going to sing it together because this kind of is the theme of the morning that we're going to talk about so here we go are you ready jesus loves me this is rich stuff and i'm deadly serious the, the the foundational stuff in this song are as solid as you get ready here we go jesus loves me This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. I am weak, but Jesus is strong. (laughs) It's that last line that we're going to talk about today, mostly. Uh, We're weak, we're little... We're puny, we're small, we're powerless. But aren't you grateful Jesus is awesome? Aren't you grateful? Yeah. He's awesome. He's all-powerful. And can I just say that's one of the biggest reasons why many of us choose to kind of stay in the stands and not get in the game, because I'm weak. I'm puny. I'm powerless. I, I really got nothing to offer Uh plain old ordinary me isn't jesus looking to use the brilliant the talented the powerful people in this world isn't that who he wants to use he 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 couldn't be interested in little old me this morning we're in judges chapter six you can open up there if you have your bibles on your phone Uh, And God's going to send a rescuer today in Judges chapter 6. But here's what's interesting. Our our rescuer today in Judges 6 doesn't think much of himself. He's got, we would say, he's got pretty poor self-esteem. He feels weak and puny and powerless and plain. Judges chapter 6, an ordinary guy, his name is Gideon, is chosen by God Almighty to accomplish his extraordinary plan. If you're able, would you stand with me? Let's read out loud. Uh, Verses 1 to 6, Israel is facing some really bad circumstances. They were in uh, the hole again, and now God's going to speak and bring his rescuer. Would you join with me? Let's, Let's read. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. Camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Let's pray. Lord, uh, some of us feel like Israel here in Judges 6. We uh, we are crying out to you. We feel weak and weary and overwhelmed. And I'm praying, Lord, that your inspired words, your, your book for our living will bring hope and encouragement, and strength today. That's what we're asking for. We're ready to hear from you. We invite your spirit. We invite your son today to rule and reign in your church because this is your church. Come take charge. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. Verse 1. For seven long years, seven years, (laughs) the Midianites and the Amalekites had been pounding and plundering the hard work of God's chosen people. So they they were putting in the effort, but every time they worked, they'd come and it would either be burned up or destroyed or stolen. How many of you... Usually, plant a garden. Can I see your hands? How many of you like to plant a garden? Wow, most of you. Um, just imagine with me, okay, uh, wh- when it's time to go harvest your produce, uh, your corn, your green beans, your tomatoes, your squash, we could keep going. You come out to your garden because you're going to come and and pick your produce And you find out it's already been picked clean. Somebody, you suspect the neighbors, have snuck over in the middle of the night with flashlights and they've stolen all the fruit of your garden. Got that picture? Okay. All the planting and tilling, all the weeding and watering that you've done. And this just isn't once. For seven years... Every time you come out, it's picked clean. All your effort, all your sweat, it's gone again. I suspect some of you after a bit you'd be sitting out in the night with some buckshot. We're going to we're going to teach somebody some lessons if they're going to come and steal my garden and pick it clean. Somebody's going to pay. Go back to the text. Israel was being bullied by the two biggest tyrants on the playground. Okay? There wasn't a thing they could do to stop the Midianites and the Amalekites from stealing their land, their food, their cattle. Uh, There was nothing they could do. They were literally, it says, starving them to death. Notice the one thing they could do. Verse 6. Note, the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. The one thing they could do? Oh, Lord help we're in deep deep trouble and I just want to say if some of you today are feeling like you're getting pounded if if some of you here today are feeling like you're getting overwhelmed and the people around you seem big and strong can I suggest follow Israel's lead (laughs) cry out to the Lord cry out to the very same God that Israel cried out to. Now, the Lord's response to Israel's cries for help, he first sends them a prophet. Interesting, okay? A spokesman to remind them why they were getting pounded. So he, he, he wants them to know, before I send you a judge or a rescuer, I want to send you a sermon. So the Lord sends a prophet with a message from God Almighty, and he wants to go and help them understand why you need rescuing. The prophet wants them to see clearly, why are you in this trouble again? He wants to point out their idolatry. Go back to the text with me, verse 7. Here's what it says. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian... The Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you haven't listened to me. <laughs> the prophet reminds them, Oh, by the way, look back short term in your history, and I just delivered you from the biggest, baddest bully in all of the world, Egypt and Pharaoh. I, I just brought you out. And, and now I, I've worked, and you're out of the grip of mighty Egypt, past tense, Present tense, I can deliver you now from the situation you're in. You're in the hands and the clutches of the Midianites and the Amalekites. I can do the same today. Israel, this unnamed prophet, proclaims, the reason you're in such a bad situation, give me your eyes, the reason you're getting ground to a pulp is because you've turned your back on Jehovah God. Okay? Okay? You're worshiping false gods. You're bowing down to false idols. You're not worshiping capital G God, Jehovah God, verse 10. What's wrong with you? Why have you turned your back? God sends a prophet to move Israel from regret to repentance. Got that? God's sending a prophet right now to move them. They were living in regret, but he doesn't want them just to be regretful of the situation they're in. He wants to move them to repentance. Let's go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. Here's what uh, it explains. We'll put that up here. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Okay? Let me break that down with you. We'll leave that up for a bit. Worldly sorrow means no heart change. Worldly sorrow means no repentance. Repentance is, I'm I'm over here, I'm living in sin, and and I'm not willing to turn away. I want to keep living in sin and I regret the fact that I'm facing hard times. There's consequences. I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I was found out in my sin. Do you understand? That's worldly sorrow. Israel was living in regret. It's all about me. Lord, I'm hurting. I'm harmed. I'm miserable. I don't like my pain. Godly sorrow, it's all about God. Lord, I, I'm sorry that I sinned against you. Lord, I, I'm sorry that I sinned against Christ, and I'm not going to lay here in the mud and the manure of sin. I'm going to stand up and turn and do the U-turn and run to you, Jesus. That's godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow. I, I don't like my situation, and I'm sorry that I'm miserable, and I'm sorry that I got caught Um, Israel here they were living in pain they they had their crops and their herds stolen they regretted all the mess they kept making but they were just regretful they weren't repentant so I need to ask the question where are you at today? are you living in regret or is there truly sorrow when we sin okay when it's clear you're in sin, is there repentance. I'm not laying here any longer. I'm going to get up and I'm going to run to you, Jesus, and get clean and back in right relationship with you. See, when I'm living in worldly sorrow, I don't like my situation. I'm sorry about my pain. I hate my consequences, but I really like Eating with the pigs, there's a part of what I'm involved in I really kind of enjoy. That's where Israel was. We kind of like these idols. We, we kind of like living with the Amalekites. Uh, we're kind of good here. This cycle of regret, this cycle of rebellion and sin, it's a recipe for living a life. I'm literally crying out to the Lord for help. And the Lord comes through, and I'm right back here again. I'm right back wallowing in the mud and the manure once again. And my life stinks, and my life stinks to me and everybody around me once again. Now, the scene switches. That's the prophet. That's the prophet proclaiming the sermon they needed to hear from the prophet. Now we're about to move from regret to Repentance. Okay? We get introduced to our hero. I would really say he's kind of an anti hero, a reluctant hero, a reluctant judge, and he's hiding and he's hopeless and wondering where God is. Our rescuer today is weak and insecure and lacking in self esteem. Gideon is weak, but thank God Gideon's God is strong. Thank God he's strong. Let's go back to the text, verse 11. Here's what it says. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. Uh <laughs> The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. (laughs) Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this awful stuff happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have And rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. The the angel of the Lord appears here to Gideon. Okay? I believe, okay? And just so you know, not everybody believes this, but I believe this is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old section. Okay? Uh, Fancy word there is a theophany. Now you can tell somebody hey, did you know about a theophany? You can feel smart as you share with that. Um, Here's why I think this is Jesus. Uh, If you slide down to chapter 6, verse 22, Gideon, when he realized who the angel of the Lord is, is certain he's going to die. He's certain he's come face to face with the second person of the Trinity, and he thinks he's going to die. That's why I'm convinced this is Jesus. Okay. Anyway, Gideon is attempting to hide from the mighty Midianites. He's trying to separate wheat from the chaff. And normally you do that out in a clear setting where the wind, you can toss it up, and the wheat and the chaff are separated. Okay, But Gideon is doing this down in a hole. He's hiding. He's trying to separate the wheat from the chaff because there's bullies in the area who will steal his grain. So so he's down in a hole, and he's trying to to get some food together. Verse 12, I love. Here's what uh, the Lord says to Gideon, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Catch this. Mighty hero, Gideon, the Lord is with you. And Gideon turns and says, you talking to me, mister? <laughs> you talking to me? Uh, I, I, I think you must have me confused with someone else. Gideon wants none of this mighty warrior talk. Uh, he wants to know instead, quickly, from this religious stranger, why, why have you allowed this awful situation to occur? Why are we, your chosen people, being slowly suffocated as Midian and the Amalekites have their, uh, their hands around our necks. They're killing us. And, and here's the truth. We tend to see when there's trouble and pain in our life, we think God's abandoned us, don't we? When, 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 when you've got bad things going on in your life, it, it's very tempting, just like Gideon here. Why has God abandoned us? Why is the Lord mad at us? Verse 14, go back to it with me. Uh, It's interesting. The Lord doesn't waver from his encouragement to Gideon. He just keeps going. Go, Gideon. Go, Gideon. I'm going to give you the strength you need to rescue Israel from the Midianites. Hey, Hey, Gideon, I'm the one who's chosen you. Go get busy. Go back to the text, verse 15. Here's what... Gideon says back, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. (laughs) Uh, Do you know who I am? Do, Do you know who you're talking to? Now he wants to lecture the Lord. Here's what he says. Uh, Manasseh is one of the weakest tribes in all of Israel. And I'm a member of the weakest tribes, uh, the weakest clans in the weakest tribes. And, oh, by the way, in my family, I'm the weakest. I'm the runt. I'm the smallest in my family. Here's what Gideon says to the Lord. I'm the weakest of the weak. (laughs) You picked the wrong one. I'm no rescuer. I can't rescue Israel, so Gideon is saying to the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, you've made a mistake, (laughs) Uh, you picked the wrong man, I'm no leader, I'm no judge, I'm not fighting material, just want you to know that, verse 16, the Lord said to him, I'm going to be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites, as if you were fighting against just one man. just want you to know, I know you got your excuses, but I want you to know, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not going with your weak excuses. I'm going to be with you, Gideon. I'm going to use you, even though you're weak, little old you, is going to wipe out the Midian. I'm going to use you to lead Israel against the mighty Midianites. Now, remember, there's a famine in the land. It's, it's a famine caused by the Midianites and the Amalekites, but they've got no food, and now uh, the crops are being picked clean. The cattle and the sheep are getting stolen. Gideon is thrashing wheat in a wine press so it doesn't get stolen. Okay, that's the setting here. Go back to the text, verse 17. Then the angel of the Lord. Uh, came and sat at a great tree of oprah, which belonged to Joash, uh, and Gideon, son of Joash, was thrashing wheat. And, and now, suddenly Gideon replied, if you're going to help me, verse 17, sorry, I was reading the wrong verse there, show me a sign to prove that's really the Lord. I've got a bad eye, by the way. Did you know that? It's my excuse. I'm sticking with it, Okay. <laughs> Really, I'm reading one-eyed up here most times. (laughs) Okay. Don't go away till I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I'll stay here until you return. Gideon returned home, okay? So Gideon goes, and and he finds a young goat, probably hidden in a cave. And with a basket of flour, he, he bakes some bread without yeast, then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot... He brought them out, presented them to the Lord who was under the great tree. Okay, Gideon generously says, okay, I'm convinced who you are, but I want you to show me a sign. He takes a goat without yeast and cooks it up and hurries back and he presents the offering to the angel of the Lord, to Jesus, okay? And he says, I want a sign. I want you to show me that you really are who you say you are, okay? You're going to need to show me, and, and I'm guessing to go find the goat, kill the goat, cook the goat, and bring it back. I'm sure he was gone two, three hours. And the angel of the Lord patiently waits for Gideon to get back. And it just makes me ask this question. Aren't you grateful that the Lord patiently waits for us? Aren't you? Aren't you grateful that the Lord? Come on, you're you're too slow. He, he goes and he waits patiently for Gideon to return. Okay, and and I just love that fact. Okay, uh, back to the text. Verse twenty. Then the angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of his staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all that he had brought, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. (laughs) When Gideon, here's the point, how how, wow who this was, realized it was the angel of the Lord. He cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I'm going to die, is what he's saying. It's all right, the Lord replied. Don't be afraid. You're not going to die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there, named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace, the altar in Oprah in the land of the clan of Abizar to this day. I love that. Lord touches the meat, and just like uh, Elijah when he was fighting, he the, the entire burnt offering is toast, and the angel of the Lord disappears too, okay? No ordinary stranger. I love what he says. He said, I didn't come to strike you dead, Gideon. I came here in peace because you're my man. I want to use you. I want to see you used powerfully. We're at peace with each other. Verse 24, an altar right there on the spot, the God of peace. This is an altar, a sacrifice to the God. of He's at peace with Jesus. And can I just say, before we head out to go do battle, and some of you regularly we go and you're doing battle at, at work, you're doing battle in, at the home, you're doing battle, going to battle in different places. Can I just say, be certain you're at peace with Jesus before you go do battle. Make sure your heart is right. Make sure there's no sin unconfessed. Make certain You're filled with the spirit of Jesus Christ. Make sure you got your armor on. Okay, you're at peace. Now you're ready to go to battle. So Gideon's first lesson was before he could present God and represent God in public, he needed to know God in a personal way. And that happens here. Second lesson, Gideon was going to have to leave all his old gods, little g, behind. And he's going to have to go all the way with Jehovah God. Look at the text, verse 25. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, and I want you to pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Uh, Verse 26, then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop uh, sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you just cut down. So Gideon (laughs) took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Okay? Do you you see what the angel of the Lord, what Jesus has asked Gideon to do? Okay? He he says, I want you to go take your father's prize bull, the seven-year-old, the one that you're so proud of. And oh, by the way, we know that anything of value was being stolen away. So this bull was carefully hidden. So go to the careful hiding spot, likely a cave, and take from your dad's small herd that still survived, and I want you to take without permission the prized bull and offer it as a sacrifice to me, to, to me, Jehovah God. Oh, and by the way, I want you to use as the wood to sacrifice your father's prize. The Asherah pole, I want you to cut it down, and I want that to be the wood. Oh, Asherah was the goddess Asherah, the god that you and your family and your clan are worshiping. I I want you just to cut that pole down, and while you're tearing apart the family idol, track with me, pull down your father's altar to Baal. Baal was the god of fertility, the god of rain, the idol that's associated with Satan and demons and the devil. So I want you just to tear that idol down. Just pull it right to the ground. Gideon knew, this is Jesus talking, Gideon knew who he was hearing from So he acts and he obeys, but he's still afraid. How do we know that? Because he does it all at night. (laughs) He knows if he does it in the day, he's going to get found out quickly. But he acts and he obeys, but he's afraid. Give me your attention. This is huge. Courage doesn't mean that you're not afraid. Courage doesn't mean there's no fear Courage means I'm afraid, but I'm going to act and obey anyway. Do you understand? Courage is doing it afraid. If you wait till there's no fear, then we'll only do what I feel comfortable doing in my own strength. And that's not faith, and that's not courage. In the morning, Gideon's family and the entire town now uh, get up, and it seems like they're ready to go worship Asherah, And Baal, go back to the text with me, early the next morning, verse 28, as the people of town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down and in their place a new altar had been built and on it were the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after they asked around, I'm sure they poked around with the servants. Uh, they made a careful search. They learned it was Gideon, the son of Joash. <laughs> Little investigation. Uh, and why are they investigating? Because there's a crispy critter there, still smoking on the altar to Jehovah God, the prize bull. And now the Asherah pole, that's been cut down and it's the wood that's lit the bull on fire and and now there's no altar to Baal and everybody's in uproar. Who's the one who slaughtered dad's prize bull? Who's the one who's burned up the Asherah poles and torn down the altar to Baal? It's none other than little, weak, shy, the runt did it it was Gideon, and now the men of the town are all worked up. They're all worked up. We're going to get that little brat, Gideon. He must die for his actions. Go back to the text. We're almost done. Bring your son out, your son. The men of town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asher pole. Okay, he he needs to die. You can write this down, but if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 6 through 11, the ones who should die are the ones who erected the Asherah pole and the altar to Baal. But what's interesting, the people who should be put to death are the very ones who are holding rocks and ready to stone Gideon to death. Okay? Um, Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, Why are you defending Baal? Why are you arguing his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal is truly a god, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. Verse 32, from then on, Gideon was called Jerubbabel, which means let Baal defend himself because Gideon broke down Baal's altar. I love that. Weak, little, nobody, insecure, afraid Gideon now has a new nickname. His name is Jerubbabel. Let Baal fight with Gideon. Let let Baal and Asherah defend their honor. I, I love the fact that with bold fear, Gideon acts. Bold fear, he continues to act. The first order of business, when you go to battle for the Lord, okay? before we go to battle, make sure you're at peace with Jesus. (laughs) Make sure you're in right relationship and filled with the Spirit of Christ and and got your armor on. And uh, now, secondly, before you go to battle, you're going to have to publicly not go out in public and fight you're going to have to root out the Baals and the Asherahs in your home. Do you notice that? Before you go and you're going to rescue Israel, you're going to have to go and rescue your home from Baal and Asherah. I want you to root out the garbage, root out the music, root out the substances, the sinful images that you have in your house, uh, your pet sins. Here, I want you to take the garbage out in your house, before I'm going to use you to root out the Midianites and the Amalekites and all of Israel, you're going to have to root out all the garbage in your home first, and then and then you can go and be my judge and rescue my, my chosen people, Israel. Here's my question. Is there trouble at home? Is there garbage in the house? that you've been ignoring? Well, if I, if I go there, I'm going to have an issue. If, if I make a stink about this issue, which I know clearly is of Baal, is of Satan, it's garbage, it's sin, there's going to be trouble. And I'm just kind of hoping that it might clear up all on its own. Can I tell you something? Hope is not a strategy. Hope is is not an effective strategy. Fires, even small fires, rarely go out all on their own. Clean up your home. That's where it starts. That's where it starts with Gideon. Clean up what's going on. The garbage. The the Baal, Asherah influences that, that are clearly going on in your home. Now, let's close. I want to go back to verse 15. Would you turn there with me? Verse 15, Judges 6 Gideon's first response to the Lord. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Gideon was the most unlikely candidate to be used by God Almighty to deliver Israel from the mighty Midianites. He really was. He was from the weakest tribe, the weakest clan, Gideon's family was weak, Gideon was the weakest in his family, and they had a real Baal, Asherah, Satan problem. How can I be used, Lord? Why are you choosing me? And here's the truth, some of us, (laughs) we're here today, 2023, and we feel today a lot like Gideon, huh? I'm weak, Lord. I'm, I'm not the smartest. I'm not the most talented. I'm not, I, I don't have wealth. I'm not very influential. There's no way I could make a difference in my world. Why, why are you talking to me, Lord? Here's what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. I think he's writing this to the church in Walloon. 1 Corinthians 1, let's put it up there. Verses 27-29. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and He used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast. In the presence of God. God uses the weak and the powerless of this world to show us, to show the world. It's not us. This is clearly Jesus at work. His power working through us. If, if the Lord had chosen uh, the mightiest man, Samson, If he had chosen the best mind, Solomon's mind, and then used Samson and Solomon to rout the Midianites, everybody would say, hey, this really smart guy, this really strong guy, they did it. But Jesus chose Gideon. Weak, scared, insecure Gideon. Why? Why, Lord, would you choose him? Because the Lord knew And Gideon knew and all of Israel knew that if they got victory, this wasn't Gideon's victory. Whose victory was it? This was God's victory. Gideon was weak and puny and ordinary, but Gideon's God was strong and awesome and extraordinary. Final question. Anyone here as we close? Feeling weak, small, powerless, anxious? Overwhelmed? Can I see your hands? Anybody? I got my hand up. Just want you to know those are exactly the kind of people Jesus wants to use. Did you know that? It's exactly the situations he allows. Will you let Jesus use weak, ordinary you to accomplish his extraordinary plan? Let's pray. Lord, you're awesome. And we're glad that awesome use uses weak, ordinary, puny us. Some of my friends just owned up to the fact they're feeling weak and weary and worn out and anxious and small. Thank you, Lord, because that's where you work best. (laughs) Your power is made perfect in weakness. when we're weak, that's when you're strong in and through us. Lord, would you help us to quit trying to do it in our own strength and power and smarts? Lord, would you convince us to the core that it's only your son Jesus and his spirit in alignment with your word that powerful, lasting things happen. Any false idols, altars in your home that need tearing down? Anything you need to do but you're afraid? Courage is doing it scared. Lord, give me the strength. Give us the power To obey even when we're scared. In your strength, by your spirit alive in us. If you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never invited Jesus to come and take charge and sit on the throne and be your boss, today can be the day of salvation. Starts with gospel facts. Jesus, I believe. You're the sinless lamb. You took my place on the cross. You shed your blood. You took my place in the grave. third day arose for me. Jesus, I receive you now as my Savior, my forever friend, my boss, my king. God's word says those who believe and receive become children of God. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. We'd love to have a personal chat with you. If you're here in person, make your way to the prayer corner. Lord, thank you for Gideon, and thank you that you use weak, plain, ordinary people like us. We love you. Help us to celebrate your son Jesus even now as we close. In Jesus' name we pray stand with.